Job chapter 7. The book of Job chapter number 7. And I'd like to speak not only to the elderly, but I think I have a message for the young also. I'd like to talk to you just a little bit today on what's this life all about. What this life is all about. Someone told me last week that I was in the waning years of my life right before I hit them in the mouth. People are always talking to me about retirement. I don't know if they're hinting or what, especially Andrew. <laughs> That's a nice way of saying you're over the hill, I suppose. I have no idea. Listen to this phrase. Is there not an appointed time to man upon earth. I'll be preaching a funeral tomorrow. And I'll be preaching to folks who are heartbroken because of their loss. And many of them probably feeling guilty because of what they could have done. And feel in emotions that's difficult to handle and deal with. After I had spoken to the entire family this past week, it kind of surprised me the mother asked if she could speak to me by herself and Asked the husband and the rest of the folk to exit the room just for a moment while she spoke with her pastor. And as soon as they left, she began to weep. And her guilt began to run all over my office, run all over my office. The guilt of could I have done more? The guilt of should I have done more? And I read her this verse. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the earth a time to be born and a time to die. The only thing you've got to answer for today is the space between. I told this mother that the person who had gone on to be with the Lord was born right on time. Not a second before, not a second after. She was born right on time. 
Not one thing could anybody on this earth do concerning her being born right on time. Because there's a time to be born. Now pinch yourself. If you feel that, you have been born. You're here. And you got here right on time. Not a minute, not a second. Too early or too late. And then it says there's a time to die. It's already scheduled. You'll make it. Right on time. Not one thing can I do to prolong that. Not one thing can I do to relieve that. All of us are going to die right on time. Not one thing Andrew or my wife Ginger or the rest of my siblings can do to prolong that time. So while we have time, we might all take advantage of time. If you know somebody and you love them, tell them while it's time. If you know someone who you do not like, pray about it. Learn to like them. Then whoop them when nobody, I mean, Is there not an appointed time to man upon the earth? What are you doing with the time that God has given you on this earth? The time between when you were born, the appointed time, and the appointment that you all are going to keep, it is appointed unto every man once to die. And after that, the judgment. Could I talk to you today just a moment? I know I do not have your attention, but I'll try to get it in a little while. Could I talk to you today about your life? Not mine. Everybody seems to be worried about mine. Look, you're not near as worried about mine as I am. So you just take care of yours and I'll worry about mine. All right? Every time I see Brother Pickett, I thank God I'm still here. <laughs> Is there not an appointed time to man upon the earth? Chapter 7, verse 1. Now, for, the, for time's sake, please look down with me to verse number 6. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and are spent without hope. What a shame. To live a life that is so short and not have any hope for the one to come. 
Oh, remember my life is wind. That's what it says. My eye shall see no good. The eye of him that hath seen me shall see me no more. Your life is like a glance of an eye and it's gone. Like wind, like a weaver's shuttle appointed by God. The Bible said in verse 9, as the cloud is consumed and vanish away, so he that goeth down to the grave and shall come up no more. Life. Many ideas as to what life is all about. The writer James said, what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Life is described in the Bible as swift as a weaver's shuttle. Life is described in the Bible as wind that blows and is gone. Life is described in the Bible in verse 8 as a glance of the eye, just a look and gone. Life is described in the Bible as a cloud, a vapor, if you please, that comes and makes its way in our life and then suddenly it's gone and you can see it no more. Life. What would you compare your life to today? If you should want to read the book of Job chapter 7 verses 1 through 21, you would read of a man that is in pain, physical, emotional, pain beyond any imagination, an incurable disease full of running sores and putrefying sickness if you please. You'll read of a man that has been put through the mill, if you please. I suppose we could compare our life to an automobile race. We could think about it. Most races are on a prearranged course. <laughs> I don't know if you know this or not. God already knows what's going to happen to you after a while. And God had it planned a long time ago. And you're not going to surprise God by what you say, where you go, what you do, or what you think. God puts you on his racetrack. And you might be in lap number one. And there's many spectators in the grandstands, according to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Seeing therefore we are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that thus so easily beset us and let us run the race that is set before us. We don't know which lap we're in. We don't know who's watching. We don't know the 
obstacles that is going to be in our way. And I don't want you to know, you may not realize it, but you might be in the final lap. You say, well, I'm not very old. God ain't never promised you to get very old. You're not very pretty either, but God didn't, especially the amen section, not very pretty. Life can be compared to an ocean voyage. Some days are smooth. Then the waves begin to rise, the winds begin to blow, and the torrent begins to get torrential, and life looks uneasy, and everything looks bad. But there's good days, and there's bad days. The tragedy of life, someone has said, is not that it ends so soon, but that we wait so long to begin it. Think about it. I was alive for 26 years, but dead in trespasses and sin. I was alive in the flesh, but dead in the spirit. Laughing at the jokes and miserable inside. Thinking about heaven and on my way to hell. I just waited too long to begin life. And then I found Jesus. And he quickened me who were dead in trespasses and sins. And set my feet on a solid rock and established my going and put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto my God. And many have seen it and trusted in the Lord. That's what life is all about. Life isn't about junk. It's about Jesus. Oh, let me help you today. Experts say that we retain 5 to 10% of what we hear. We retain 20% approximately of what we see. We retain 40% of what we see and hear. We retain 60% of what we discuss. But we retain 95% of what we experience. Listen to Paul when he says, I know how to be a base. And I know how to abound. Everywhere and everything, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. Life is about experience. Many of us today say we know the Lord. The question is, have you experienced the Lord? 
I had heard of being born, but 50 years ago in my living room, I experienced being born again. I could not explain to you for 26 years what it meant to be born of the Spirit of Christ and become a creature, a new creature in Christ and become a child of God. I could not tell you that because I had not experienced it. You know what life is all about? This life is to prepare for the other life. And the Bible explains to us that Paul had learnt by experience life can be good and it can be bad. It can be have and it can be have, have not. It can be high, it can be low. But there's one thing for sure. It's short. Have you noticed that since you turned 21, Christmas comes every six months? (laughs) Have you noticed that? Someone said that life can be broken up into seven ages. Spills, drills, thrills, bills, eels, pills, and wheels. Let me bring you to the context and I'll be done in five minutes. Job is trying to teach us something. Job, like Paul, had learned, number one, how to abound in Job 1 and 3, rich, beyond measure, He had been abased in Job chapter number one, verse 13 through 19. Everything he had, wham, in one day was lost. Job knew how it felt to be full. Right before God gave the devil the permission to give Job sickness beyond any comprehension and listen to his helpmate, his wife, telling, oh man, why don't you just cuss God and die? Job knew how to be full, how to be empty, how to hurt, how to suffer. And he speaks out of this suffering when he says, my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. I've been mistaken. I always thought that the weaver's shuttle was the loom by which it went back and forth. 
But that's not what it is at all. The weevil shuttle is the little container that in that houses the thread that is weaved into the garment. The the jingabop that's Hebrew for I don't know really what to call it right now. And you can look in Strong's Concordance, you please, to find Chingabop. If you find it, you tell me what it is. But the, what's the other going back and forth? <laughs> he don't know Hebrew, that's for sure, right? The thingamajig that goes back and forth that contains the thread, the loom. The shuttle is the thing that the person who's operating the loom slides or throws or casts before the loom comes back and tightens the thread and makes the garment. Job says that his days, his life, his time on earth is as swift as that shuttle that flies across just before the loom comes to permanent and steal the thread. Back across the loom. Back across the shuttle speaks I must close about the swiftness of life. Many of you here kept Andrew in the nursery. I wish you'd done a better job. Many of you attended church here while you were not a teenager, but in the toddler department. It's, it's so difficult for me so profound that you've grown up so fast. Not that my life has been swift, but your life has been swift. You who used to be in our nursery are now young men and young women responsible for your own decisions, responsible for yourself to God. It is your life now that is swift as the shuttle. Oh, yes. One day you'll get a driver's license. One day you get a death certificate. One day you're here. 
young, fresh. One day you're old and wrinkled. The next day you're gone. Job described that as being swift. As a weaver's shuttle. Oh, please. James said you perish for a little while. And then you vanish away. What are you going to do between the time to be born and the time that is already set for you to die? It is appointed. Life has said eventually reaches the metallic age. I didn't know what that was. Then I found out it means gold in your teeth, gray in your hair, and lead in your pants. <laughs> Some of you folk already got there, right? A weaver shuttle, swift. Can you believe I started this church? I had hair down to here. Just a young man. I, I, I won some of you folk to the Lord when I was 28 years old. 50 years ago. It's hard to believe. Hard to believe. I want to close. The Weaver Shuttle speaks of leaving something behind. I've really got a burden. Our culture's changing. Our culture has changed. There's been times years ago that I could preach and the altars would be full. It's not that I'm a less a preacher, it's just culture's less of a listener. There was a time when America, even though people may not have been Christian, they still have the reverence and a belief in God. But secular humanism and our educational system has fixed all that for us. And now most of this crowd and a lot of that crowd has no definites in their life. We are our own God. We can change the rules as we go along anytime we want to. The Bible's not really significant when it comes to marriage. And that's not political correct. God really didn't mean it when he said man and woman. God got mixed up in the dictionary when it comes to gender. Well, you need to be kind. Why? You need to be understanding. Oh, really? What do I need to understand? Do you squat or stand when you go to the bathroom? There is a difference. You say, well, it's all in the mind. Well, don't let the top down see if it gets on the floor. 
You ain't liking this, and I don't care. You brought a gun to shoot me, it's my appointed time. <laughs> Whatever happened to truth? Amen. Daddy, Mama, what you leaving behind? Well, I'm going to send them to a good school so they can get an education. What? Believe that their daddy was a baboon swinging from a bodark tree? Teach them that dinosaurs was here when man wasn't? Teach them there's no such thing as 15-foot men in the world? My question is, what are you leaving behind as a result of your life? Every time the weaver's shuttle went across, something was left behind. Something left behind. Something left behind. We leave something behind every single day of our life. I would rather die as to leave the wrong message for my kids and my grandkids. I'm going to teach my grandkids how to walk. Boys are going to walk like that. When one of my grandkids starts walking like this, I'll kick him in the next week. You say, why? Because I'm going to fix his behind. What are we leaving behind? What kind of legacy, bless God, are you as a parent and as a mom and a dad, as a Christian, as a born-again child of God, what are you going to leave behind? I'd like to leave a testimony that Andrew's not ashamed of when I die. That my six kids and my grandkids and a church and friends and neighbors and acquaintance can say, that dude was straight. He did what he said he'd do and said what he's going to do. Dear God, what are you leaving behind? Your life is like a weaver shuttle. It's going to be gone before you know it. And what you've left behind is all you've got left. Well, I don't want to be in one of them old-fashioned churches. Then join one of them others. We'll make it. Have you ever noticed we made it before you got here? I know you thought you were the savior of this crowd, but I want to share you something. God is the savior of this crowd. And so you just need, what are you leaving behind? A testimony. A foundation for my kids. God is God. I heard recently that First Baptist pastor over in Dallas was speaking today on the most important verse in the Bible. And I asked my wife, I said, what is the most important verse in the Bible? She the theologian that she really is. 
said to me, all of them are important. I said, I have one more specific in mind. In the beginning, God. Kids, you are not result of an evolutionary process. Your uncle was not an amoeba. Some of you look like it. And the earth was without shape and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. I have no trouble at all believing that when God originally made it, before he got into day two, it was a gooey mess. I do not have to agree with the scientists to prove my Bible is right, saying there were millions of years, millions of years, and because of the fall of Satan, God judged the earth. I have no problem at all believing that there was dinosaurs and men on the earth at the same time. Some smart aleck asked me, how do you get a 6,000 pound, 100 foot long dinosaur on the earth? I said, very carefully. (laughs) Is anybody here? Our problem today is our foundation. Our preaching is not wrong. Society's culture and foundation is wrong. I close. Salvation. The Weaver Shuttle speaks of making something for the future. It's swift. Always leaves something behind. And it's preparing something for someone to be clothed with in the future. Do you think that your life is just made up of birth and death? Is that all that life is about? What does a man profit if he gains the whole world and lose his own soul? Somebody in the New Testament talked about being clothed in the righteousness of God. Those in heaven were clothed in white robes of linen. Life is about preparing for the future. Now what you do between birth and death determines on whether you spend eternity in heaven or hell. 
I've never witnessed an animal fretting over the swiftness, brevity, or longevity of life. I wonder where the idea of happy hunting ground came from. Wonder who taught the primitives about a day that is fair than night. Because deep in the heart of every human being beats constantly and announces the signal without God life is empty no animal ever sits down and worries about heaven or worries about hell every animal I know has got more sense than deny the existence of a divine being Is there not appointed time to every man on the earth? 